Section 19 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. An Expedition Through the Yukon District by Charles Willard Hayes. Part 3. Hard Geology. Character of the Observations. Any attempt to solve the many difficult problems connected with the geology of the region traversed would necessitate detailed study of large areas. The opportunities afforded by a hasty reconnaissance along a single line of travel are obviously inadequate to the solution of these problems, particularly when the greater part of the geologist's energy is absorbed in overcoming the physical obstacles to his progress and in making even the crudest topographic map to which to refer his observations. The most satisfactory information on the hard geology of any portion of this region is contained in Dawson's report, already cited, to the geology of the Yukon district. Dr. Dawson had the great advantage of familiarity with similar rocks and geologic problems from previous study in British Columbia. He was also in a position to control the movements of his party, and so was able to give more than a passing glance to points of special importance. Since the writer was without previous acquaintance with the rocks of the Cordilleran system, and had no opportunity for observation, except as it was afforded along the route or at stops selected without reference to the geology, the information obtained is offered only as supplementary to the observations made by others, and as preliminary to the more thorough study of those who may hereafter visit the region. Rocks of Taku Valley the section afforded by Taku River, as it cuts through the coast range, is quite similar to those described by Dawson on Stikeen River and Chilkoot Pass. After leaving the argillites of the coast, which extend to near the head of Taku Inlet, a broad belt of grey hornblende granite is crossed. This is called the Coast Range Granite by Dawson. The belt is about 40 miles in width, extending nearly to the south fork of the Taku. In addition to the granites, this belt also contains altered eruptive rocks in horizontal or undulating and sometimes highly contorted beds. Rocks of the Interior Plateau Forming the high plateau between the coast range and Ackland Valley is a somewhat broader belt containing a great variety of rocks, both eruptive and sedimentary but all highly altered. The sedimentary rocks consist of limestones and marbles, shales and slates with conglomerates, sandstones and quartzites. The least altered members of this series are along the western side of the belt. At the junction of the north and south forks of the Taku, near the eastern limit of the coast range granites, there are black slaty shales and apparently overlying them with a dip of from 25 degrees to 50 degrees northeastward are compact bluish limestones. Still further eastward there are siliceous shales with large conglomeratic pebbles of the underlying limestone. The pebbles contain some obscure fossils, probably carboniferous, which would indicate a Mesozoic or later age for the shales. These slightly altered rocks occupy a belt about eight miles wide, east of which lies a region traversed by many dikes 
that have converted probably similar shales and limestones into talcose slate and highly crystalline marble. Among the non-sedimentary rocks of this plateau belt, there are many basic eruptive, largely altered to serpentine, and also considerable areas of granite. A portion at least of the granite is older than the sediments as indicated by basal conglomerates at the contacts. The basic eruptives are confined to a narrow strip less than a quarter of the width of the plateau belt and lying along its western side. The sequence of these rocks, as well as their relation to the coast range granite, is extremely involved and much greater study will be required in order fully to determine these relations. Their age is probably Upper Paleozoic and Mesozoic, though very few fossils were found, and none except in the less altered western portion of the belt. East of Ackland Valley there is another belt of granite, quite distinct in character from that of the coast range. It is free from hornblende and contains a large amount of pink feldspar, giving a decided red color to the rock in mass. The granite has in some places a well-developed gneissoid structure, the cleavage being approximately parallel with the direction of the lake. Teslin River flows in a valley deeply filled with silt and gravel, so that not more than two or three rock exposures occur throughout its whole length, but so far as could be determined at a distance the escarpments on both sides of the valley are composed of rocks similar to those forming the plateau west of the lake. About thirty miles above the mouth of the river, the hills toward the northeast are composed of bright red sandstones with yellow and grey shales, probably less altered and perhaps younger than any of the sandstones above described. The extensive plateau region between the Yukon River and the northern base of the St. Elias Mountains is composed of various kinds of crystalline rocks with small areas of highly altered sediments, grey hornblende granite, similar to that forming the coast range of southern Alaska, occurs in a somewhat narrow belt just north of the St. Elias Mountains. The prevailing rock of the greater part of the region north of this belt is a reddish granite quite free from hornblende and frequently containing large porphyritic crystals of feldspar. Both kinds of granite are cut by numerous dikes or covered by sheets of eruptive rocks, from the most recent vesicular basaltic lavas to highly altered diabase. The red granites, at least, appear to be Archaean, deposited upon which are small areas of sedimentary rocks that have been enfolded with a granite and penetrated by the basic dikes and thus so completely changed from their original condition that no clue is afforded as to their age. They consist of Arcos conglomerates, slates and marbles. North of the Cluantu Valley, the only clastic rocks seen were a few exposures of conglomerate and schist. The district between the Donjek and Koidern rivers is composed almost entirely of white marble and talcose schist and is the largest observed area of sedimentary rocks between the St. Elias Mountains and the Yukon. Rocks of Skalai Pass As already described, two slightly divergent ranges separated by the Chitana Valley extend toward the west and northwest from Mount St. Elias. The geology of the northern range is simple. In the walls of Skalai Pass, by which the range was crossed, its stratigraphy and structure are magnificently displayed. 
the rocks are comparatively recent for the most part carboniferous triassic and cretaceous a bed of limestone about five hundred feet thick contains many crinoids and corals probably of carboniferous age above it are red sandstone and jasper and a great thickness of black shale collections of fossils from the limestone and the black shale were made but before reaching the coast they unfortunately were lost with the exception of a single small piece of shale this however contained several tolerably perfect impressions and was submitted to professor alpheus hyatt for identification he says quote, the fossils in the shale are clearly the remains of a monotis of a triassic type allied to monotis subcircularis gab a characteristic triassic form in california this one seems to be distinct specifically but is evidently of the same age Unquote. interbedded with these sedimentary rocks and penetrating them as dikes are fine-grained greenish amygdaloid lavas forming perhaps half of the whole rock mass the structure of the range consists essentially of a broad gentle synclinal with a highly contorted belt on either side excellent examples of typical fan structure were seen in the intensely plicated rocks which form the abrupt northern face of the range this structure is remarkably well shown in the sides of the gorge from which Kletson creek issues the five hundred foot stratum of white limestone above referred to is folded in with dark greenish black eruptive rocks so as to form a double v the overturned southern synclinal limbs dip southward about thirty degrees and forty five degrees while the normal northern limbs are nearly horizontal this plicated belt on the northern side of the mountains is about six miles wide and south of it the synclinal in which the beds are practically horizontal coinciding with the axis of the range occupies a belt from twenty-five to thirty miles in width on the southern side of the range there is a region of disturbed rocks similar to that on the north but somewhat wider and less minutely plicated the structure is well shown in the lower portion of the Nizana canyon whose walls rise from two thousand to three thousand feet vertically above the river one excellent example of faulting was observed a bed of white limestone about five hundred feet in thickness probably a continuation of the one in which the fan structure was observed on the northern side of the range has been broken across and thrust over upon itself a distance of half a mile within this space there appear to be two conformable beds of limestone in place of one the diagrammatic form in which the fault is displayed on the canyon wall confirms certain theories as to the mechanism of such faults derived from much more obscure phenomena in other regions evidently folding due to lateral compression had been only slightly developed when a shearing fracture took place across the rigid bed the fracture did not extend far on either side of the limestone but the thin bedded black shales above and below are intensely plicated having taken up the lateral compression by folding instead of faulting apparently the conditions which determined the formation of a fault rather than a series of folds in the limestone were first the great difference in rigidity between that bed and the adjacent shales and second the absence of a heavy load upon the beds during the compression nizana river 
for about seven miles above its confluence with the chitana flows in a narrow canyon with rocky walls from four hundred to five hundred feet high for a short distance above the canyon the gravel bluffs are replaced by cliffs of calcareous black shale apparently very recent and only slightly affected by the compression which has disturbed the rocks lying on the north at the upper end of the canyon the black shale contains beds of extremely coarse conglomerate and is succeeded by black slate and mica schist the latter containing many small quartz veins an east and west line through the upper part of this canyon appears to be the approximate limit of the little altered rocks forming the northern range rocks of copper river valley several massive dikes intersect the course of the chitana a few miles above its junction with the copper forming high cliffs and a number of rocky islands in the river channel the dikes are composed of a very compact greenish-black rock traversed by many streaks of lighter green serpentine and white veins apparently of calcite the rocks of the southern range which extend westward from st elias differ widely from those exposed in scalai pass about taral they consist for the most part of siliceous talcose schist with grey hornblende granite which is apparently eruptive between taral and the coast the prevailing rocks are bluish-gray quartzite or quartzite schist the moraines of glasses along the lower course of copper river flowing from the eastward are composed largely of eruptive granites and granitoid gneiss containing inclusions of black slate and schist all the sedimentary rocks between the chitana and the coast have been so thoroughly metamorphosed that their original bedding is wholly obliterated and no statement can yet be made as to their probable age rocks of prince william sound forming the shores about prince william sound there is a series of black shales and thin bedded dark brown sandstones they are highly contorted and somewhat altered especially the shales the strike wherever any regularity can be detected is about north and south and the dips are generally steep often vertical they bear a strong resemblance to the rocks of the yakutat series described by russell and it is not improbable that they are the continuation westward of that series fossil plants are reported to occur in these rocks at some points on prince william sound but none have yet been collected while the series is perhaps all mesozoic or younger any statement as to its age made at the present time must be regarded as purely hypothetic mineral resources gold placer gold occurs widely disseminated throughout the yukon basin though only in a few places has it been found in sufficient quantity to make profitable working the most important of these are bars along the lewis between teslin and little salmon rivers and on forty mile creek a southern tributary of the yukon emptying near the one hundred forty first meridian ten men were located on the bars of the lewis and although the water was very high when we went down they are said to have done well in the latter part of the season one member of our party mark russell was equipped with long experience in prospecting both for placer and vein gold and while the necessity for getting through the country as rapidly as possible prevented anything like an exhaustive examination still enough was done to give a fair idea of the resources of the region traversed 
while in white river basin we also had the benefit of mr bowker's experience a few colors were found on most of the branches of white river which we crossed but it was all fine gold and afforded nothing which could be regarded as a good prospect the indication of gold-bearing quartz were even less encouraging practically no vein quartz was seen between selkirk and skolai pass either in place or among the stream gravels along the lower portion of the nizana and thence southward to near the mouth of copper river considerable quartz occurs in small stringers through the schist so that there is a possibility of this region containing gold-bearing veins copper native copper has long been known to exist in the copper river basin but exactly where or in what quantity has never been ascertained through actual examination by a competent observer its occurrence in white river basin also has been suspected from the presence of native copper among the yukon indians although they were known to trade with those living on copper river from whom they might have obtained the metal the pale indians whom we secured at selkirk for packers promised to show us the source from which in the past they had secured copper for making arrowheads and more recently for making bullets which are still used to some extent when lead cannot be obtained while still at selkirk they told us of great masses of copper as large as houses on a stream called the kletsan deck or copper creek flowing into white river near its source as we approached this locality however the masses of copper rapidly decreased in size first to pieces as big as a man and then to boulders of such size that they could be lifted by prying with a stout stick and finally what they actually showed us consisted of small nuggets the largest only a few ounces in weight Kletson Creek issues from a narrow gorge in the steep northern face of the St. Elias Mountains, flowing from numerous small glaciers a mile or two back from and several thousand feet above the valley of White River. At a former stage, probably when the glaciers descended to a much lower level, the stream deposited a broad alluvial cone about the mouth of the gorge this deposit of gravel is now being cut away and in its lower portions or in crevices of the bedrock numerous small nuggets of native copper are found this seemed to be the only locality for the metal known to the indians who were with us though pieces which had been cut from a larger mass were shown us by those whom we met on kluantu river it is not probable however that any of the yukon basin indians are acquainted with extensive deposits of native copper since they have very little of the metal in their possession and hold a greatly exaggerated idea of its value some time was spent in searching for the source of the copper on kletson creek but without success as we soon reached the snow line beyond which of course further search was impracticable it appears to have been brought by glaciers from the region toward the south which is still covered by snow and ice it is associated with greenish-black amygdaloid lava and red sandstone and jasper rocks which resemble superficially at least those of the copper-bearing series of the lake superior region a small quantity of what appears to be azurite pulverized and used as a pigment was shown us by the yukon indians they said it came from the country beyond skolai pass but we were unable to learn its exact source or how they obtained it 
according to allen's account the chief of the copper river indians told him of the existence of native copper and also of copper ores in the upper chitina valley between the two main streams but he did not visit the locality we expected to find indians on the nizana near the point where it emerges from the mountain pass and to be able to examine the copper of this region but unfortunately nikolai and his tribe were at their summer fishing station taral and it was too late in the season to return to the copper region which we had passed doubtless this interesting region on both sides of skolai pass will be found on careful examination to contain considerable mineral wealth but the extreme difficulty of access together with the unfavorable climatic conditions will greatly retard if not wholly prevent the development of its resources End of section nineteen.